0: This is a content warning. This episode of Sweet Stuff contains content that mentions experiences of colorism and hair texture discrimination. Hello, hello. You're listening to the second episode of Sweet Stuff, a podcast by Sweet Zine. I'm Zoe, founder of Sweet Thang and your host today. Thanks for tuning in. Sweet Stuff will be bringing you black joy, conversation, laughs, radical ideas and good energy. So if that's your jam, please stay tuned. I'm currently recording from the comfort of my bedroom today clinging on to the hope that my neighbours don't decide to start drilling holes into the walls and the ceilings for the next 30 minutes or so. So uh, let's see how it goes. I am so excited that I'm joined by yet another amazing guest for today's episode, Jamar Samuels from The Halo Collective. For listeners who don't know, The Halo Collective is an alliance of organisations and individuals working to create a future without hair discrimination. And it was founded by young members from the Advocacy Academy. The Halo Collective strives to be a revolutionary space in which Blackness is celebrated, which is incredibly inspiring and necessary. So hello, Jamar.
1: Hi. I love that intro. Sorry, I was listening and then I was zoning out and I was like, wait, you're, you're, you're not listening to a podcast episode. You are in the podcast episode. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so because I'm
0: an English literature student, I love puns and wordplay. So we're going to play a quick game of Jawbreakers, which is basically a spin on icebreakers, but with a nod to the idea of sweet stuff, because Jawbreakers are sweets. Okay. I'm a bit of a nerd. (laughs) No, I love it. All right. Question number one. What's the weirdest thing you've ever spent money on?
1: Oh, that is a question. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I put money in a lot of things. Um, I might give you like one or two or three or four because I'm a weirdo. Okay, so it has to be somewhere between my ring light and it's like a big, huge ring light. Like my my sister's um partner came over and they were like, "This is a big ring light. Like this is professional." And it's like, I don't do professional stuff. Like I don't have a YouTube channel, so what's the point of having a ring light? It's between that and I'm obsessed with this um cards from this place called Hood Greetings. And they do like really cool, like oh, these cards. And I don't like it's really like <laughs> the lack of a better word urban, <laughs> but it's like legit amazing. And it's so personal. It's like, for example, one of the cards, it says we go to, we go together like bun and cheese. Oh, uh, like, it's like relatable to like black young black British people I'm reading one of the cards it says man like on there like and you just give that to someone or <laughs> um I know life must be tough without me stay strong G like these cards are, co- are they're like cool. proper greeting cards
0: not like playing cards
1: no these are greeting cards like to give people on their birthdays and then and, and Valentine's Day and yeah so yeah that I- is that that, that I guess the most random thing I can think of right now.
0: Wow, I would actually really like to see those cards. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna put that in my notes. Okay. Number two. Name one thing you wish was legal and one thing you wish was illegal. But these questions are very random.
1: <laughs> oh, one one thing I wish was illegal is cigarettes. Um Yeah, I'm just not I'm just not here for cigarettes. One thing that I wish was legal? I don't know. I might say weed. <laughs> wow.
0: Contrast. Yeah.
1: yeah. I know that sounds this person just I just know too I just know too many people that have like smoked cigarettes and they smoke cigarettes in my face and it just smells really bad and then I just know a lot of people that's in prison or being charged for possession or selling weed and but I'm not here for that. Um so yeah. Nice <laughs> controversial maybe. But yeah, that's that's what I think.
0: Number three, where is your favourite place in London?
1: Oh, oh my god. Okay question That's i'm so question. glad
0: you're finding these hard because like <laughs> they're meant to be jawbreakers
1: but no but you know because it's like a part of me is like i really do like some bougie places in london but i'm gonna have to just stick out and say brixton i love me some brixton really? i love the yeah. like i went to brixton the other day to pick up something um like some candles and incense and that kind of stuff for my mum from this like this spiritual shop and I you not, I'm standing there at a distance, you know, safe distance, whatever. And <laughs> the lady in front of me is accusing the guy of robbing her money. Like the person that's the, the guy that's serving, that's going to serve me. Like she said, she's like, I'm, I gave you 20 pounds. Where's my t- change for my 20 pounds? And she's like, check the camera, check the camera. And then like this, I'm not going to say crazy person or cracker because that's those two words are problematic, but like this person that's clearly mentally not okay. And started shouting and singing from a distance and then started walking up to us. And it's like, you know, the, those ones were like, they are talking to you, but if you don't engage, they're going to leave you alone. And I was like, I, and then I really had to say to myself, dang, I love that even in a pandemic and like a lockdown, Brixton is still providing like the, the consistency that I need in life. So yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> you just see madness all the time yeah. in London. I love it, but I'm, I'm here
1: I'm, for it. <laughs> yes, I'm here for it too. That's why I was just like, Honestly, it lifted my spirits, so and I'm like, Jamal, you are losing it if this is what's bringing you to right now. But yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last one. I like this question because I think it's cute.
0: Number four. Who is the funniest person you know? I know some funny people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I
1: know
0: some funny people. I know some funny.
1: I'm going to say. My niece. Oh. She's four. And, and. The kids just the kids just she's just the funniest kid ever. Like we walk into my mum's shop, mum is a small Caribbean takeaway. And like her little sister who's two now, Yaya, Yaya, like she still learns to walk. So she walks very slow when we're on the road. So like my the younger sister has like slowed down with her. And Ruby, that's my niece that's four. She she's like walking and talking and I'm like, wait for your sister. And then she turns around and I kid you not, she squats down and she starts saying, Come on, Yaya, come on, come on. <laughs> You can do it. You can do it. I'm like this four year old is not is not coaching her sister to walk, (laughs) and then like her sister just loves her, so she just walks up to her, and then Ruby just gives her a hug, and she's like, yay! She starts clapping, congratulating her. And I'm like, what is going on? And then we get to my mum's shop, and I should say that before before we got we left to go to shop, she was dying to go to my mum's shop, and she's like, I want to go to nanny shop. I want to go to nanny shop. And as soon as we get outside the front door, she's like, see, I told you this is my nanny's shop. And I'm like what kind of like, who are you <laughs> arguing with my niece is the funniest person
0: <laughs> I know who could like just, children just yeah. do the most random amazing <laughs> things I just love it I just love it with my baby cousin um oh bless okay <laughs> that was really cute that was really fun um, okay right the last interlude before we really get into it I just want to shout out our patrons Um, so Sweet Thang has just set up a Patreon, which is a website where creatives or businesses can set up a membership scheme for their fans or their readers, um, in which they receive a monthly payment and give their patrons perks, merch, freebies, and all that jazz in return. Sweet Thang has three memberships, starting from just three pounds a month. Um, I'm coming up with lots of exciting ways to engage and give back to our patrons, including cute merch, exclusive workshops, and free zines. Uh, so yeah, if you want to support, head to our website at sweetthangzine.com for more info. And of course, biggest hugs to our current patrons and those who have made a donation through our Patreon. Uh, The lovely Fina, who runs a sick magazine called Onyx, O-N-Y-X. Check it out. Ryan, Sonia, Ashley and Fatima. You're all amazing. You're all G's, real ones. Yeah, lots of love. Okay, back to you, Jamar. So the theme of today's podcast is, of course, to hear about the work of Halo Collective and also just Mm -hmm. delve into the stories behind it, personal or otherwise. Um, So I guess my first question to you is, what does the Halo Collective mean to you and what's your role in this exciting journey?
1: The Halo Collective is um, around 30 young people who have all gone through the ABC Academy. We're all black and we all have Afro hair, different textures and that kind of stuff. Um, And we all care about ending natural hair discrimination, Afro hair discrimination in the UK. In, like, the truest, like, authentic, legitimate sense, Um, you know, again, somewhat in, like, the, like, structured professional getting information out of their way, like, that is through, you know, um, making schools and workplaces adopt the Halo Code, um, to say that they're not here for Afro hair discrimination, through changing legislation, you know, um, so that, like, legally, it's, it's illegal to... Um, Discriminate against um based um against someone based on the texture of their hair, and also just to um change the, the conversation and like the way we feel about Afro hair, whether you have it or not. Um, i this is why I said you know about like when you said let's take a picture, I was like immediately was like let me cover my hair, but then it's like no, why should I cover my hair? My hair is in a protective style. I'm currently growing it back after cutting it off. Um, it my hair is very healthy. Um you know and like a sign of healthy afro hair for me is well for me because i have four c's like shrinkage so my hair is very long but i don't have to tell anyone that i'll prove that to anyone especially in a picture um so yeah so take my head and my mom loves to do weird childish reminiscent hairstyles on my head because i can't braid so she can and this is what i got that's why i've got this one little squiggle at the front <laughs> and and I'm I'm rocking it like I go outside and you're going to see my hair and it's like it's it's messy because I do my hair routine every day to moisturise it and so on and so forth and it gets messy in the process and this is perfectly acceptable way of wearing my hair
0: yeah I like that I like that a lot and um, just as you were saying that something came into my mind um, on Instagram I saw a post recently that it was like I think we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but it said um, I think we should move away from the idea of body positivity and um, move into into the realm of body neutrality, of just like, mm-hmm. we're just bodies. Like, these are just yeah. bodies. They don't have to be like um, under the under the subject of this is desirable, whether it's from someone else's validation or your own, like we're just bodies. Um, yeah. And I think that could re- easily apply to hair, especially Afro hair, which is always under a lot of scrutiny and judgment and is, is very like politicized anyway. Like it's just hair. It doesn't yeah. have to look long, it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be perfectly brushed or whatever, like it's just hair. And I guess that's sort of a part of, of the movement as well. It's kind of like whilst we're taking away um the discrimination, we're also moving into the idea of just like this is hair and it deserves to just be what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like in terms of I don't want to say in terms of everyone with Afro hair, but we're into like a perspective it's like well like I don't know minus 50 or something like that and like everyone else is on like 50 plus so like we have to take it from minus 50 to zero which is you know we no longer hate our hair or see it as negative and then we take it to 50 plus which is just like it's just hair and it just grows out our head that it's just different Mm -hmm. to yours that that's that's literally it
0: that is I, I really like the way you put that um yeah that that kind of just taking away the the idea that it needs to be something mm. like um yeah but then also yeah moving moving to that zero stage which is which is unlearning the internalized um discrimination the internalized self-hatred that is a huge part of it and um yeah with with that what is your personal um relationship to your hair if you have a relationship to it how you know you said you said you cut your hair um recently and I know that's sort yeah. of like a big thing I think I even read an article that someone said um they use like the term big chop and they were like yeah. oh, this is a term that loads of black women used and I don't know how I felt about that because I was just like they're just chopping their hair like stop making it something stop putting an ism to <coughs> to everything like okay people chop their hair off great yeah but then, so you know it means something to people as well so that's also valid but yeah okay. what's of your relationship
1: the funny thing is I have this picture on my Instagram right now and it's like me as a kid and it's like I've got the bubbles and it's the big plaits. I love it because I'm like, I'm going to bring that back. So if anyone sees me with black bubbles in my hair, hair clips, just know I, I said it here, I'm bringing it back. Um, but um, so as a kid, natural, I was one of those girls that um, got a perm or, or um, braids and that kind of thing. My mom was just like, you have lovely natural hair, wear it out. And then I got to high school and I should like point out that I went to high school in the Caribbean. Um, and you know, obviously we're talking about like the the campaign and the work that we're doing is in, is UK based and regarding like Afro hair discrimination in the UK, but that also exists in the Caribbean. Um, many people have been and continue to have a conversation around natural hair and like it being seen as unprofessional and unkept and the, the, the was it the remnants of colonization? Um, that exists in the Caribbean, but that's a whole other conversation for another time mm-hmm. if you want to have it. um But yeah, so I was to high school and having, there was like, I was in an environment where like perming your hair or creaming your hair was like the thing to do if you had fussy hair. um I saw it as like a form of like adultification, like mature, maturing, like having a ponytail or being able to flick my hair like a white girl kind of thing. And I was obsessed and my mom was like, no. And then by the end of my um, year seven, my dad finally agreed. My mum permed my hair, and I was perming my hair. And I went into like this deep. Well, my my journey to activism comes from my experience of colorism and hair texture discrimination, which is why this campaign is so important to me. Um, I was bullied for being dark skin. I was bullied for the size of my lips, the size of my nose, and um texture of my hair. And that's one of the reasons why I permed it. And I remember like perming my hair and seeing new growth and like hating the fact that um, I had no growth. And I was like, I was super religious at the time. So I was praying to God that, you know, I'd one day wake up and have straight hair, like the perm would just like be permanent. Um, And then um, my hair started to fall out because obviously perms break your hair and that kind of stuff. And then I started to just like delve into this process of like deep self-hate, you know, bleaching my skin amongst other things. But like, we're talking about hair today. Um, So then- everything's yeah. interlinked so. yeah um so I was just in this deep process of self-hate and then I came back to DK at 16 partly because my grandfather um was sick he had a stroke and he still can't talk with his right hand to this day um so my mom's says part-time care and I assist her in assisting him um but yes yeah, so I came back and I don't know what that, that came over me but I was like I've always been obsessed with like changing the way yeah. I look and like looking different and like you know, seeing someone that knew you as a kid and be like, who is that? Is that, is that Jamal kind of thing? That's always been like an obsession of mine, which is why I kind of wanted to perm my hair in the first place, along with like, that deep self-hatred and that kind of stuff and wanting to be white. Um, but I was like, let me go natural. I was like, let me go natural. And I, I remember like I had bleaching cream in my drawer, um in like the bottom drawer in the back. And like, I remember like, I remember just leaving it there for a really long time. And then one day when I was like changing out my clothes, because again, I'm obsessed with that like, change and growth. I just threw it out, um, and even though I live like in like really close to Brixton, and, and the natural hair shops have all the same stuff that I that I could use to like create a skin bleaching concoction and keep going, I just didn't. And then, and the funny thing is, even though like bleaching my skin was like the I guess somewhat the extreme part of like my self hate journey or my self hate story, um, it was actually hair. Now I think about it, hair that's kind of like saved me. So I went natural and my mom refuses to let me refuse to let me do the big chop. She was like, you know, great hair. So I had to teach myself about transitioning hair, how to take care of it, and that kind of stuff. I started experimenting with like braids and twists and that kind of stuff, um, braid-outs, twist-outs, and that kind of thing. Um, and I was watching natural hair videos, and there was a lot of African-American women talking about like hair. And it, it was a lot, I can't lie, it was a lot of, there weren't that many forcey um textured women. And I thought I was going to come up with a nice, like nice curl pattern kind of thing. And I remember like, I eventually got to the point where like these black people were saying, love your hair, it's your hair. And I remember, your hair's not like my hair. And I was like, this is, I found that to be revolutionary. And I was thinking about this yesterday because I was watching Toni Morrison's, um I forgot it's called, but like, I was watching a, a, a documentary about her life with interviews and about her work and that kind of stuff. And she was talking about how like her grandfather used to boast about how he read the Bible five times from, from cover to cover. Um, and she was like, why didn't he read anything else? And in the time which he was born, like reading was, wasn't was allowed. So, so that's why he only read the Bible. And that's why, you know, and she said that was like a revolutionary act for that. And she basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but that's that was a revolutionary act for that time. And I know mm-hmm. it sounds very simplistic, but for a black woman to tell me that, love yourself, love your hair, your hair is your hair. That was revolutionary for me at that time. Um, So that blew my head off. I was like, whoa, love myself. And then I just started to learn about colorism, hair texture discrimination. You know the history of like black, black people, in particular black women, being taught to hate their skin color, hate their hair texture, hate their features, and like their body structures and that kind of thing. And then like you know the rise of like cultural appropriation, a non-black woman does it, and all of a sudden it's looking fantastic. And around that time that 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 happened, um, what also happened was a Kylie Jenner lip challenge. Um and obviously I have full lips. I I was told growing up my lip is long like a mango skin peel. So I was just like, okay, cool. So Jamal with big lips gets woody for it. People out here trying to mimic big lips. And I remember one of my friends telling me, You should we should you should do the challenge. We should all do it. And I'm I was saying, if I do that challenge, you guys are gonna laugh your heads off at me because you're gonna be like, Why is Jamal's lips so damn big? Um and then that's the, that around the time is when I applied to be on the Appetite Academy and at that point, you could probably tell I was building up a lot of anger, frustration at the, the the hypocrisy, the double standards, and that kind of stuff. Other stuff as well, just general sexism and racism that I was experiencing. But my experience of colorism, um, hair discrimination, was like at the forefront of like what was bugging me. And I applied to be on the program, and I talked about like the Kylie Jenner lip challenge and you know natural hair and being dark skin and all my experiences of it. And that's how I got onto the program. And that's to play out it because again sharing information the Abbots Academy is a collective um it's a, it's a social justice programme for um, young people who care about politics and social justice um when I started out it was like mainly Brixton based um Lambeth based and then it's pulled out to Wandsworth and Southwark and hopefully eventually I, I, I see by now that a lot of the other the, the, a lot of the incoming young advocates are people from all over South London but yeah so that's like my activist journey and how my experience of like hair texture discrimination colorism has like shaped it and you can, so you can now understand why this campaign is so important to me because this is my experience this is my life and I can delve into like the the, the sixth form experience because that one that's the one that really pissed me off because I went to six sixth one predominantly white and Asian people and the and those are the people. I must say I had it's something about but I had to be friends with them because there's no not many black people there. Um, and that again was a whole other layer of like stuff. Which right now is at the forefront of like when I think about because obviously we do a lot of discussions around why we started this campaign and why we're doing this work. And I think about the 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 two experiences I had of, of like people always commenting and having something to say about my hair. And also te- when I would talk about, like, why are you guys always talking about my hair? Why is Afro hair such a, such a topic of discussion being told? It's just hair. There's like, yesterday, you're going to stick your hand in my hair, tell me my hair's really dry, and call me Shaniqua or something like that. And today, when I talk about the black woman that got rejected from her job because of her braids, it's just hair. I found it to be the most frustrating experience ever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's just so much that we, we could literally talk for the entire day about mm-hmm. the politics of, of hair discrimination and colorism, and how both of those are very, very interlinked. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, the work of the Advocacy Academy sounds amazing. It's so mm-hmm. great, the idea of getting young people who are interested in, in politics to actually make moves um, mm-hmm. with their ideas and stuff. Um, but I just wanted to say, like, I completely, I can relate to to some of those experiences um growing up, my relationship to my appearance, to my hair. It it all kind of just like seems because I've been going on um my own personal journey of like self-love and un and unlearning um internalized racism from about the age of like 14. I think 14 was when I like had a hits blunt moment and I was just yeah. like, oh my God, intersectional feminism. Wow white supremacy like that I I can definitely say at the age of 14 that was when things really um changed but yeah like as a dark-skinned uh black girl I always uh, like you know I had to go through that period of navigating my like general reality as a dark-skinned person and knowing what that meant in terms of how people saw me Mm. um but in in like every single realm there was like the like in the realms of like desire Mm. and um seeking validation from other people that realm but then also just not being represented in things that I would watch um yeah it's just when I think about yeah when I think about just like the things that I um the things that would go through my mind on like a day-to-day basis the way I would um as a child. Um, this is so random and embarrassing but fact, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna say it but basically I remember when I was like a kid and I had a vision um, of like having a crush on a TV character yeah. and I would imagine um, being their girlfriend yeah. but when I imagined the person the girlfriend yes. I was she was like a light-skinned person and like
1: I will never get over that
0: like I fully envisioned but that's not embarrassing myself. though
1: that's like that makes sense based on like the way Things are set up for people that look like us. That's perfectly mm. acceptable. I used to dream, like, I used to dream that like there was a hand and it was God and like he would like turn up the volume and my skin would become lighter and he like pull my hair and it becomes straight because you know God's all power like all powerful and he can do anything. So, and that's how I imagined it to be. Mm. Um, so it's like having these quote unquote weird visions about like. Um, these realities that will never happen is it's is perfectly fine um I haven't read it but I, I and the funny thing is for a long time people have like referenced her and her work to me because they, they, I've been told that it's like my lived experience but like the bluest eye by Toni Morrison like I now mm. know it's because you know then she got the name of the book because you know her friend said I know God's not real because I've been praying for God for a long time to make my eyes blue and it hasn't happened so like like your 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 um vision dream I don't know what I forgot the word that you um called it it's like just another spin on that or mm. like I have my own one Tony Morrison's friend has her own one like we all have and it is it's unfortunate and not we all have but like too many people have the, the a same a similar experience of like having these fantasies or whatever you want to call it of like being someone that we're not meant to be mm. so it's it's weird, but yeah it, it's also very normal yeah well it's
0: and it's sad that it's normal um it is. yeah, like even um one of my cousins um their baby sister had to do a drawing of themselves um mm-hmm. at school, and yeah the the image that the girl drew, drew um drew yeah <laughs> it could have been throughout the past past um sense um it was a white girl it was literally an image of someone with like a pale face blue eyes and like brown hair oh it just broke my heart and yeah I basically like I'm here for dark-skinned women I'm here for Mm. dark-skinned black women like that's who I'm here for and um starting from the a very 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 young age um Mm. And because it's just so important, the fact that that psychological thing has taken place at such a young age, it's just, it really fascinates me. Um, yeah. And in terms of my own personal journey with my hair, I i don't know. I mean, I, I got extensions when I was, um, like, we were living in Brunei, um, which is in Southeast Ooh. Asia um yeah we we'll <laughs> just casually just say I was, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah um but it was for like it was for three years so it wasn't like my whole entire childhood but it was a s- significant chunk um so I, I really don't know where she got those braids from like did she have to get them like <laughs> ordered them from the UK I have no idea maybe I'll ask her but that was sort of the first time and then sort of just throughout secondary school I would just go from having like twists or extensions da da. And it wasn't until uh, like year 11 that I finally got um, Afro natural braids, which is just braids, but they look different to the um, expressions twists. They're kind of like a more um, coilier texture. I personally just preferred preferred them. Um, And I was just like, wow, I love this. And so I literally just, me and my sister, we would have those braids basically for the next five years. (laughs) And, um, And then it sort of like dawned on us that these braids that we have these extensions which mm. like I love them they kind of just look like natural afro hair so like why didn't I just grow out my hair or like lock my hair um you know like not yeah yeah um because obviously like it, it is easier to deal with your own hair kind of sometimes like the the whole like doing the braids I would do them myself um and I sort of mastered the art of of putting in extensions and braids myself like really easily um but it just kind of like got to a stage where like my edges were um kind of being pulled back too much and i really just had to think like how do i want to take care of my hair i really yeah. want to i really want to do something with my hair where it's actually healthy um and i'm kind of getting sick of this look <laughs> so <laughs> i just we both decided to um lock our hair um so i locked my hair last year april 2020 in the midst of um of lockdown yeah and yeah, I could not be more like ha- I feel like I've gotten to a point where like, I'm really in love, like truly, truly in love with my hair. Um, and um, it's just it's a really beautiful feeling, basically. Um, yeah, that's sort of my journey, but it, it, it wasn't really. Um, I would say that in terms of even though they were they um, intertwine with each other. So like my experiences of colorism, internalized um, self-hatred of my skin color yeah that versus my hair I would say that I felt um a a larger connection to that my experiences of colorism rather than like my hair discrimination yeah um um so I'm kind of just at a point where I'm just like I'm fine with my hair I'm also very very comfortable in my skin and love my skin um but you know those wounds are like you know they're not something that they're not wounds that disappear at all so um I do kind of you still have to give myself my inner child like a lot of care and tenderness whenever I do sometimes slip into a mode of self-hating. Mm. Um, and I don't even know where I'm going with this, but that's basically kind of a very, very brief <laughs> um, example of my experience, my personal mm. journey with um, hair. And
1: yeah. You said something really interesting to me. You said that you relate more to your experience of color, You your experience of colorism dominates, more than your experience of hair discrimination. And I think, I mean, I'm just throwing out possible reasons why. And this applies to me. I just think it's because we've we've now gone to a point where we can um we can manipulate our hair to look the way, the ideal way. We can't I mean, there's um in a safe way, because like, you know, perming and using a hot comb and straightening, I mean, the burns, or lord the burns. But like wearing a wig or weave I mean especially if you, you especially in, like you glue it properly it's a very it's now a protective style so it's like mm-hmm. this is a way to conform in such a safe way and I don't want to be seen like I'm bashing um like wig, people that wear wigs and weaves. I don't I, I really wish I could and makeups all on just to go for on tangent. I really wish I could wear wigs weaves and makeup um but it's just not for me and like I just, I just can't. I just don't feel like myself. Um, I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm a natural for shame on you people um, because a key part of the campaign is like we don't want to exclude um, persons that wear wigs and weaves. You know, it's like it's a protective style. Um, As long as you're not doing it out of self-hate, do what you want with your hair. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, mean I mean, you make it a point of the campaign because we know that like, there's a lot of people, I and mean, we can we can talk about this in a minute. But like, there's a, like, that there, there's there the love for the natural for natural hair is is so limited, and if you don't fit within that box, ugh, they don't care. They don't care that you're natural. Um, you know they've they shift their focus to the person that's wearing a, a, a wig or a weave. So, um, but yeah, I think because we can manipulate our hair in a in a safe sense and somewhat beneficial sense to look. Like look, look look like the ideal that that's why our experience of colorism is probably dominating more because you know you can't manipulate I mean obviously filters um and makeup exist but like you can't safely mimic your skin tone. for when someone sees you in person, I mean unless you're standing, unless you're walking around with a ring light like constantly on you, there's there's no way to do that. And I think that's I think that's why. Um, that's such a key thing. Also, on the um, I mean, cutting my hair. So, and this, also uh, this is what I meant by like. So, I went natural. You know, I discovered like the natural hair community and like people who advocate for that kind of thing. And then I found like somewhat who tipish like spaces of like newbie queen, natural queen, all that kind of stuff. And you know, when you're low in your self-esteem and you that like, you're insecure, you, you you soak up weight. Like you soak up where You can get it. You no, know? um, mm. and I remember, I I recall, and it still happens. but like, if I got outside with my hair camera back like this, I will. I can walk past ten black people. Don't don't nobody give a. You know, no one don't care. But if I walk out with Afro, yes, natural beauty, U- newbie and queen, empress, sister, me? The, <laughs> you know, the the whole shebang. And it's like, but why didn't I get when my hair was in a protective style? And it's like because you know acting like I'm dressing up like I'm I'm dressing up as like I'm Angela Davis or something like that you know black panther type vibes is the only way in which I can be um deemed attractive and pe in, in the natural hair sense or like mm. so and like in like this like the only way in which um I I genuinely the only way in which I could get a compliment with my hair came rolled right back like this is if it was down in, like down to my butt you know super duper long natural black hair um so I when I I remember being in, at university and I'd walk around campus and I'd walk around with my afro out, a twist out you know I was known for just not combing my hair like is you know you're gonna see this natural hair and you're gonna you're gonna take me as I am and I remember just like I think it was it wasn't a blog for me it was a video and I think it was women in general but um one of my favorite individuals Liv Little the founder of Galden she was in there and she, and a lot. As someone else like basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but like once you cut your hair off, you can't hide your face kind of like you have, you're going to see the face. You're going to see the person's face. There's no, cause with, especially with black women, the way we can change our hair, like, you know, you know, you see those videos, it's like, oh, he wants to see other people. And there's like wig, braid, short hair, pink, this color, red, you know, like the way you can look different, with a hairstyle but when you cut your hair off it's just your face and for someone like me where it's like you know um I hated the size of my lips I hate the size of my nose I hate how big my eyes are and how piercing they can be and that kind of stuff um I hate when my skin breaks out um I was like I need to do this so I cut my hair off and I rocked it well I mean then there was this whole other thing I had this whole other issue about like being feminine because you know Again, in the 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 the, the pro black we love natural hair community, but really they don't. They weren't pleased when I cut my hair off. You know what happened to? You? Don't you love your hair? Why why is your crown off? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I question. I started to question my femininity. Um, and you know, as black women, that that's been stripped from us. I was like, oh my gosh, am I feminine if I cut my hair? off Kind of thing. I remember like, I remember so many black guys uh, unprovoked telling me that you know they don't think that I look good without my hair kind of thing. Um and then I just I kinda of screw my hair back because when lo- a lockdown and um but also finding a barber who didn't hit on you is like super hard. Like super hard. Oh the guy that cut my hair was my friend Kyler from university and he used to cut like all the guys' hair, um hair from um, I'm like from the confines of his room. And he used to go and he used to just have just amazing conversations um I'll never forget like when he calls cutting my hair for the first time because I, I met him like three months before and I was like I want to cut my hair and he's like yeah yeah yeah. and I finally sat down and then he cut the back and he's like so you sure you want to do something like, yeah and, he's, and then I remember he's like yeah this is gonna work and then he cut it and it's just like you know like I love it um but I just love the experience of going to see, see him because we have amazing conversations about so many things and that kind of stuff um but yeah and then like once he graduated, because he, I took a place in the year, so he graduated and I stayed on the university and then it's like, when I came back home like, he going to cut my hair, trying to find a barber who would, you know, who wouldn't hit on me or ask me for a single and make inappropriate comments it was ridiculously hard, but I grew my hair back um, but and I, I just wanted to grow my hair back because eventually I do want to lock my hair, um but yeah, um I, I, I do agree that, you know I, again, you, you mentioned this whole Like making the big chop such a big deal, and I think that does come from this whole. Again, it is like, what? Like we? I think it has to happen, but we have to be in a phase where we're like obsessed and in love with our hair. And for for a second, I feel like you do need to see like having your hair the way you want to, or in its natural state as um a radical act. Um, just so you know, you can feel empowered by it. But then eventually, you're gonna get to a place like, okay, cool, this is just hair, and you know. Let's get on with other work that we need to do. Hair still, my hair's still amazing, but like, let's do other work. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's yeah, that was, but yeah, I love the big I love doing the big job. It was it's amazing and honestly it's amazing how much people people hold like your hair holds a lot of weight. I know I'm here as someone of doing a natural a national hair campaign, but the way people like it grows back, like hair grows back, it will come back. And the way people hold onto their hair that you've had—you didn't have this hair as a baby. When he came out the room, our hair textures were not like this. But like the way you hold onto your hair is—I mean, to be honest, if want to get really technical, I'm not like a like a, a into biology or whatever. But I'm pretty sure like we shed like a hundred strands of hair every day, you know. So like this hair was not—I mean, obviously I cut my hair, but for someone who hasn't cut their hair, that hair was not on your head, like a while back this is all it's constantly growing and then mm-hmm. it falls mm-hmm. off because oh you cut it off so like this is even the hair that you had coming out the room and you are so attached to it and so I just had to do it just so you know just to say it's hair it's, it'll grow back it's not a big mm-hmm. deal kind of thing that's that's how I got to this place where like hair is somewhat neutral for me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I do know that it's not normal though that you know I, that this feeling and me being in this position um, I love telling the story, but like, I, oh, I should say, so on the campaign, we have different, um, collected, like mini groups. Um, and there's like the media team who handles social media and like any media opportunities come through, they handle it and they promote it and they support it and that kind of stuff. There's the legal team where they look at it. The, these are people that, you know, want to look at the legislation and the law and think about how to change it and who to talk to. I think there's a research team that's doing research into, like, interviewing Black people about their experiences of hair, their discrimination, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think about another team. I'm on the... I'm on the uh, There's a school team that deals with schools, so, like, um, adopting the code in school, but also, at some point, we do want to go have, start, you know, doing workshops, because, obviously, doing this work around um, changing um, how we feel about natural hair, that needs to be done. I... My collective, the coalition collective, is we work with basically just people, just movers and shakers, and people we think that should be a part of this conversation we're having. Because you know, we can acknowledge we're not the first people to do work around natural hair or, or have a conversation around natural hair. You know, there are people who there are blogs, you know, like Girl them or Black Ballad, and they have they they have people who've written articles about natural hair. They have a following which you know will bring us to a wider platform. So we handle like that area, but we joined in with workplaces where it's like literally and i think just, just somewhat along with schools this is like the big one where it's like people are getting rejected for jobs because of the texture of their hair their hair sound which is absolutely ridiculous i remember being in sixth form and i remember the frustration so you're telling me i'm gonna break my neck to go to sixth form get these a-levels go to university get my degree and i'm i do a lot of extracurricular stuff outside of university and outside of school so it's like i've done my stuff like i've done everything you guys this meritocracy you know i've done everything and you're telling me i won't get a job because of my hair so and it, right. And it and it I know I'm right. You're wrong. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have a conversation about that. Um so mm. yeah, that essentially is my role in it. Um but the story I wanted to say is that we were having a collective meeting and it was just my collective was a re- previously coalitions and it was just three of us. And I'll never forget, we were on Zoom and I came on like this, you know, my hair out, and then my friends, she had a D-rag on, and my other friend, she had her wig on. And then at some point in the call, like, it just becomes a conversation about just how, how over life and how, like, bummy we're being. And then, like, then she's like, oh, yeah, I flung on my durag because of this call. And my other friends are like, oh, I flung on my way because of this call. And I'm like, I couldn't be asked. I mean, I know you people, you guys are my friends. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no way we, are, we as three black women, are doing, we're, we're having this call, not just because we love each other, we care about each other, we're doing a checking. in No, no, no. This is a group meeting, collective meeting, a national natural hair campaign, where we are working to try and change the way, not just Black people, but how everyone feels about Afro hair, and we can't just come and hear what our, our hair as is. Mm. I found that to be quite fascinating, sad mm. but fascinating. It's like that's how, and that's how bad it is. It's like even in spaces where there's no white person. Like mm. we've gone through this camp, like this <clears throat> this organisation, this collective, which you know, standing in solidarity, supporting each other, and validating each other's experiences is like a part of like how we do our work and we can't we can't just be as is yeah. mm, it's that
0: literally it's that really deeply entrenched idea that we are not suitable we are not um mm. if you're going to be deep we are not worthy as we just are we yeah. can't just show up um and yeah that 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 goes really far back even into like the colonial ideas about um about blackness not being um not not being normal enough, yeah, for it to just be for it to just exist, it's sort of like no, this is uncivilized, this is messy, we have to fix ourselves, we have to neaten ourselves up um to be able to assimilate to yeah. you know you know what what um what people and what ideas um we were taught to assimilate to um, mm. as the mode of normality um yeah, it's just we we always have to think. Should I do this? Shall I? Shall I fix this? Shall I cover this? Mm, what the hell? <laughs> and um, yeah, you basically answered um, my my last question, which was literally just, "What is your vision for a world without hair discrimination?" Like, what is it? What does it look like? Because we basically just uh, mm. discussed the whole idea of like neutrality. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, if yeah, if you agree, yeah, it's it's that kind of um, we don't have to show up in a way that's neat. Because the the um the boundary, the, that kind of um spectrum of neatness um versus messiness that was made to exclude um black people. Yeah. Um so we can't really, we can't really assimilate to a, a system or a blueprint that wasn't catered for our own like liberation in mind. Um so and a way to for me, like a way to get rid of that is to Move into the into the um, the idea of neutrality. Like, no, nah, I'm just here. Thanks. Yeah, like, we're all just here to vibe. We're li- we're literally human beings that were only here to vibe on Earth. Like, we weren't meant to be doing all of this madness. And <laughs> unfortunately, that's just what capitalism and white supremacy and like the mess of um, human civilization <laughs> has done. Um, Do
1: you know we're just what? i was watching an interview with like Angela Davis and Michelle Alexander because I just I'm just in love with both of them. Um and basically they um Angela said something which I found to be quite sad but also um I found I I, I find it quite pleasing and I I've, I've I've accepted that this is she's actually right. There's always going to be there's always going to be something to fight for. There's always going to be something to fight for. Um the you know there's been fights that have happened and quote unquote won, and there's fights happening now and there's gonna be new fights coming about um i think she talked about i think the example she gave was like back in her day like disabled rights weren't like a, on a hot topic as they are now that kind of thing <clears throat> um um so yeah there's always gonna be something there's always gonna be something to fight for um but i i've chosen to to be a part of this fight and to do my part
0: I like that but it also kind of makes me sad because it's just like I wish mm. there wasn't a cause to have to be um, an activist or something oh. to be fighting against something I wish we could all just <laughs> we could all just <laughs> get oh, along that no, from?
1: <laughs> from Girls that's them. my film <laughs> not just because my last name is Samuels yes. and I love Aaron Samuels but my birthday is October 3rd stop wow <laughs> <laughs> the chosen does, one you're, you're literally the year. chosen one like you don't have to tell me how birthday. I'm just here for them. It's October so third I love that i love <laughs> I love this. It is such a perfect note to end on.
0: Just vibing over me and girls. love it. um but basically, I think we've had such an amazing conversation today, and yeah, thank you, even though yeah, we could honestly talk for hours on going into the depths of of hair discrimination and colorism um but gonna keep it short today and yeah i've really i've really learned actually um a lot of things um with this and you've given me some great names um of organizations and also books just hella recommendations i'm really happy um thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and your energy um yeah do you have any final things to say or any um, any projects I mean I guess I, w- I would be or?
1: like stupid not to plug <laughs> the campaign um, our website is like halocollective.co.uk um, our Instagram and I believe our Twitter is the same which is the halo um, was it he halo C L T V, um, which is sort of for collective mm-hmm. um, my social media is um, um, the Jamar on everything literally everything don't know what I, I don't know why I discovered like brand consistency at like the age of 16, but I did. And that's like my handle on mm. almost everything. Um and then I guess my podcast that I'm trying to do is called Fuller Chat. Um I love Queenie because that song is amazing. So Fuller Chat and can't take it back. And that is my podcast. Nice. Yeah,
0: and I know you've got some also you're also doing some really exciting stuff um with connecting um Jamaican. Uh, young people in Jamaica yes. and also um, the diaspora here. Um, I really, yeah, I'm actually going to hit you up about that because, yes. yeah, sounds amazing. Basically, everyone just follow Jamar because they're doing bits and bobs. Okay, well, in like I don't have a script for how I end these episodes. Yes. I just love embracing messiness. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just going to (laughs) say thank you so much. Um, Tune in again at some point and for more exciting conversations and just good vibes. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.